it's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. All right, that's a, that was Monday in uh, New York City, and that was a like a cavalcade uh, um, of vehicles crossing a bridge. Uh, people are saying, I don't know if they were policemen, first responders, but they were employees of New York City saying, hold the line, hold the line. Uh, and they're talking about vaccine mandates. It's happening all over the country. It's happening all over the world. As a matter of fact, there are people resisting, and God bless each and every one of you who are doing that. Uh, interesting. We're going to talk about uh, that a little bit later in the show. We have a frontline doctor who's going to be joining us, and we're going to talk about, you know, the latest on COVID because every day there's something new in the inbox, and there's incredible news today, too, so you won't want to miss that. Uh, but also in New York uh, on Monday, there was another group of protesters. Uh, they were laying in the streets, stopping traffic, and uh, but they had a different mission. Let's listen. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, climate change, we haven't heard really too much. I haven't talked about it too much, but trust me, the climate change crazies are stirring up, and they are, you know, ruling in uh, Washington, D.C. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes also. Uh, I And you have to know that after COVID, after the control and um, domination that's been uh, gained by these draconian COVID restrictions, climate change is falling on its heels. And in many ways, well, I don't know, this is possible. We'll talk with Myron Ebel about this in a minute. There may be more of a sting, more of a pain over what climate change initiatives are bringing than over any of the other things, because it's going to have an effect on us economically. It's going to change the way we live. It's causing already a fuel prices to skyrocket because they want you out of your cars. You do know that, right? 
They want you not to be able to drive your cars. That's why fuel prices are going up. It's not because of shortages. It's by design. And they want you to be, you know, left so that you can only, you know, be close in your home. You can't go more than a few miles. That's the goal. Remember, I told you when we talked to Katie, uh, Katie, Katie Hopkins about a few months ago, she talked about how already in Britain there's a there was a law that you couldn't drive, I think, more than six six kilometers beyond your house. So this is where it's going. So just so that you know, uh, there's more like bad stuff ahead. We're going to talk to Myron Ebel in just a second about the climate change portion of it. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Okay, some good news during a challenging time for everybody, and this could really help. You may know hundreds of thousands of people have already made the switch to MediShare, which is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And with so many people looking at how they pay for health care right now, seeing premiums going up or the cost of COBRA plans, MediShare has a special offer and a lot of people are taking advantage of it. Simply apply by October 30th and they will waive your new member fee. That's $170 savings. And of course, that's just a start. The typical family saves $500 a month after making the switch. MediShare is a Christian community that has shared over $4 billion in medical bills and it's worked beautifully for decades. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. The Wall Street Journal has published internal documents that show Facebook knowingly targeted and suppressed content from conservative publishers, including ToddStarns.com. Facebook introduced tools after the 2016 presidential election that intentionally decreased traffic to conservative websites like Breitbart and Western Journal. Breitbart's traffic dropped by 20%, and so did mine. The Wall Street Journal reported conservative news pages were also relegated to a second-tier status on Facebook. Now, this is bizarre. 
because ToddStearns.com is one of the few conservative websites that has the seal of approval from all of the left-leaning fact-checkers. In other words, we do solid journalism, fair and balanced. So Facebook's problem is not accuracy, it's our content. And the only way to fight back is to subscribe right now to my daily newsletter. More than a quarter million of you have already done so at ToddStarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I am here today with my brothers and sisters from XR because I am afraid for humanity, for Mother Earth, and I am particularly afraid for black people. All right, okay. We heard that already, but I wanted to remind you that's Extinction Rebellion uh, there in New York City. And that was them stopping people from driving. And the people that were driving in New York City on Monday were not really happy about that. Some of the clips I can't play for you because they were colorful clips, the responses. But this one mother uh, made a lot of sense. And so she gets out of her car and she confronts them. And this is what she says. People got jobs. So if I get fired, it's because y'all want to do this to me. Right? We could have fired my kid and Mrs. School because y'all want to stop in, tra- in the middle of traffic. You keep saying, yeah, but that's not fair to everybody else. My girl is eight years old with great, with great grades. Straight A student, charter school. And y'all ruining that for her. You're not here for her because y'all blocking everybody's way. You're not understanding. You keep saying you understand it and you don't because y'all blocking the way. For everybody that got to go to work and everybody that got to go to school, that's not fair. Y'all worry about stuff that's happening. That's not even happening now. Yeah, he set the future. He not All right, so, uh, so, so a black mother got out and sort of contradicted the white protester who said it was, uh, you know, she was trying to protect black people from extinction and on and on. It's always race, of course. Everything is about race. Extinction Rebellion does bizarre things, but... This, the scary thing is, it's uh, it's PETA was bizarre too with their animal rights, uh, but it's now that the PETA animal rights bizarre climate change protesting radicals are in the White House, and Myron E. Bell is my guest this morning. Myron's a good friend. He's the director of the Competitive Enterprise Institute's Center for Energy and Environment, and I've asked him to come bring some sanity to the discussion, and I know he will. Myron, good morning, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sandy. Good to good to hear you. You know what, just to put this in context, Myron, because I know that this, you know, this is what you breathe, the whole issue of environmentalism. You're you are like a walking encyclopedia, but most people, you know, they've been, uh, the in, the news has been sucked away by COVID uh, and the economy and all of that. And uh, just to put it in context, President Trump pulled us out of the climate, Paris Climate Treaty. You and I talked a lot about that way back. And uh, it had some horrible things. And one of the first things I think that Biden did with John Kerry was to enter back into that treaty. Can you kind of explain to us, re-explain to us now what we are committed to as a nation? Uh, yes. Well, it's it's not called a treaty. It's called the Paris Accord, but it's actually the Paris Climate Treaty. But when President Obama entered us into it in 2015, he did so without first seeking the advice and the consent 
of the Senate, which is required for treaties. So the, the pretense has been that it's not really a treaty. It's just a voluntary uh, executive agreement. Every other country in the world considers it a treaty. So um, uh, President Obama promised that we, we would reduce our energy emission, uh, our greenhouse gas emissions from burning coal, oil, and gas, which provide 75% of our energy, that we would cut our emissions by a certain amount by by uh, 2025, I think. Uh, President Biden immediately put us back into the Paris Climate Treaty, again, by just signing his name and sending a letter to the United Nations. Uh, and he said, uh, we will now undertake to do even more than we promised back in 2015 and 16 with President Obama. We will uh, get our emissions down by between 50 and 52 percent by 2035. So uh, the only way to do this, and, and President Biden is now preparing to go to Glasgow for the annual U.N. climate conference, which was canceled last year, um, uh, the only way to do this is to to uh, raise energy prices and cut our energy use. There, the the alternatives to coal, oil, and natural gas are, are more expensive, uh, and uh, we can't build them fast enough to make this target by by 2035. So this is this is uh, really just a a way to raise energy prices and make people use less energy. Well, and Myron, you know, it all sounds kind of ethereal. To the, to the regular person, the Paris Climate Accord, you know, and all of the, you know, um, I don't know, green greenhouse gas, all of this, these are words and th- concepts that are not part of mm-hmm. daily usage. But now, mm-hmm. uh, what people are seeing at the gas pump and the heating <laughs> oil coming up for this winter, now that's real. And that is exactly what we are talking about, isn't it? Yes. And of course, uh, President Biden immediately took actions when he took office that would constrict the supply of oil and natural gas and raise prices. And now, of course, he's been backtracking as people are angry and he's saying, oh, well, we want to get gasoline prices down and we want to keep uh, heating oil and natural gas for for gas furnaces. We want to keep that da- the price down. But in fact, their whole policy is to raise those prices. So they're actually the rising gasoline prices is not due entirely or even primarily to what President Biden has done since he took office, but it is what they want. They just don't want to admit it. They don't want to face the political consequences. They want to box us in so that at some point in the future we'll have to accept, you know, six seven dollar gallon gasoline and uh, electric rates that are as high in. Uh, uh, you know, in the Midwest or the South, as they are in California, which is California is about double the national rate. And of course, you know, people in California say, "Well, it's not so bad. Our electric rates aren't that high. Uh, aren't that our electric bills aren't that high?" Well, that's because in California, most of the people live on the coast. They don't need much heating and they don't need much air conditioning. So, um, yeah, but if you live in uh, Texas or uh, uh, Georgia in the summer, you're going to need some air conditioning. So that's, uh, you know, we're looking at really severe uh, increases in the cost of living, the basic cost of living. When it, when it comes to uh, though powering our, our cars, Myron, their objective, correct me if I'm wrong, is to do away with gas, gasoline-powered uh, vehicles completely. You know, I was talking to Katie Hopkins uh, a couple of months ago, and she was saying that already in Britain, 
uh, under the COVID orders, uh, people were not allowed to drive like more than six kilometers, I believe that was it, something like that, uh, from away from their home. Already restrictions right. on where they can go. And that is the end game, isn't it? Well, yes. Uh, the, there's uh, been a war on uh, oil, uh, which provides you know, well over 90% of our transportation fuel, not only for cars and trucks, but for trains and airplanes. Uh, for for a long time, and it's now coming to a head. And and the automakers are, which are essentially uh, given orders by the federal government, uh, especially since the collapse in two thousand eight, when General Motors and others had to be bailed out by the federal government. So they they essentially do do they don't do what customers say, what customers want. They do what the government wants. So the automakers are saying, well, we're going to switch, and by uh, in a few years, it, could, it varies from automaker to automaker, we will produce nothing but electric vehicles. Well, that means that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why some people might want electric vehicles, but there are a lot of reasons why some people may not want electric vehicles. So c- consumer choice uh, is going to be out the window. You're, you're going to be told what kind of car you can drive, and that's what we're up against right now with the, with the Biden administration. Yep. Okay, so we're all experiencing that. And then uh, right now there's this big... Uh, brouhaha on Capitol Hill about this Build Back Better bill and all the the spending bills. So that's the part I want to talk about next, uh, Myron. I, I I think we're a little confused. I I know that the the left is pushing for the Build Back Better. Um, we've heard that the mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 old the bill that uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I can't even think of the name of Green New Green New Deal uh, is Green part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, so, what are we looking at here? What are they trying to do in this bill in regard to the well, environment? You know, yeah, well, the bill became just throwing every uh, left wing uh, big government dream. So it's just really just a big government uh, bill with lots of new self social welfare programs. The climate stuff is actually kind of it's. it's incredible. It just keeps shrinking. So there was a provision called the the Clean Electricity Program, which was going to force utilities to every year add more uh, uh, wind and solar power and get rid of uh, coal and gas-fired power plants. And coal and gas together provide about, I don't know, 60% of the, the electricity in the country. And it's the cheapest electricity. So that's the places that have coal and natural gas plants have cheaper electricity than places like California that have a lot of windmills. So that program has now been dropped. But what we have left, and we haven't seen, the, the, the final deal hasn't come out yet, but one thing that we know that we have left is uh, subsidies for every possible kind of renewable energy or battery storage or electric vehicles. So the electric vehicle subsidy is now uh, federal subsidy is seven thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, that's enriching, you know, Tesla shareholders, and it's helping very wealthy people buy Teslas, which, as you know, are expensive. Um, but uh, the, they're proposing in this bill, bill, uh, the, the draft bill, to increase that from seventy five hundred to twelve thousand five hundred. Um, we've been told for years that wind and solar are getting cheaper. And yet, we're going to continue the wind and solar subsidies uh, forever. And um, there's all kinds of other stuff, battery storage. Uh, nuclear plants now get, will get a subsidy because the subsidies for, for wind and solar are driving nuclear plants out of 
business. So instead of getting rid of the wind and solar subsidy, we're going to give nuclear a subsidy. So, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff. There's a civilian climate core uh, modeled after the Great Depression's Civilian Conservation Corps, which is a make-work program for young people. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff in it, but there's a lot less stuff than we had thought there was going to be or that we worried there was going to be. Oh, that's interesting. Well, let's, you know, just to put this in perspective, <laughs> uh, at, at, uh, on coal and power plants, uh, my understanding is that China now is uh, going crazy with building uh, uh, coal and power plants. Is that right? Because uh, they're not so worried about, you know, the environment as we are. And so, and that's that's happening around the world, isn't it? I mean, we are putting ourselves at an intentional disadvantage in terms of, you know, fueling our economy, our cars, our ability to live. Uh, other countries are not feeling so constrained by this, except Europe, of course. Right, yeah. The Europe, European Union is further along in making themselves poor and energy poor than we are. Uh, and they're a good example because they're now facing a winter of, of uh, fuel shortages, heating heating fuel shortages, uh, uh, soaring natural gas costs, uh, soaring electricity rates. Uh, and they're and it's because these policies are several, you know, I don't know, five to ten years further advanced than in anywhere in the U.S. Uh, but yes, uh, China, China has become the world's manufacturer. So we we have lost a lot of our energy intensive manufacturing. Europe has lost a lot more, and China now makes a lot of our goods, most of our goods, and so. Uh, they need cheap electricity to do that, and the way to do that is to build coal-fired power plants. So when we talk about uh, emissions, uh, the United States used to be the world's uh, largest emitter of greenhouse gas emissions. That is, the largest user of coal, oil, and natural gas. We use more energy than anyone. Europe was second, and uh, I don't know who was third. Well, China is now, their emissions, they built so many coal-fired power plants that their emissions are now larger than the United States and the European Union combined. So uh, they they haven't bought this, uh, they haven't drunk the Kool-Aid of global warming. They want to make their country richer and their people wealthier uh, by having lots of inexpensive energy. And so that's what they're doing. And so global emissions are not going down. Uh, so all this stuff about how we have to cut our emissions to save the planet, well, uh, the, the whole world isn't onto this program. Only really the Western world, the United States, Europe, well, Japan, uh, and, and a few of the, 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 the English colonies like Australia. Um, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a strange world we live in. It's really, there's really two worlds. There's the, the energy poverty world that we've, we've had energy abundance, and now we're moving to energy poverty. And those countries like China and India that have had in, in, um, amazing, just unbelievable energy poverty are now moving to energy abundance. Myron, we just have a few minutes left. I just want to ask you something. I've heard it said that, you know, the COVID, uh, the control that has come because of the COVID pandemic, the, the gains in control are going to, they will wane as COVID wanes, however that takes place. And that climate change will take its place. That will be the new uh, lever of control. Can you just, in a minute, uh, tell us how that's going to happen from your perspective? <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't happen, Sandy. <laughs> but I think 
there are a lot of people in in the environmental movement in the this sort of global warming movement uh who who see uh, the uh, the shutdown caused by the by the plague that we've had uh that they are going to uh, use that as a model for reducing people's uh, energy use that you know people will have to stay at home more they won't have cars they'll have to depend on public transport uh, all these kinds of things this is a model now how far they get i hope they don't get very far but that's that's up to us right yeah, that's up to us. We uh, It's up to us. We're just like we're fighting on these COVID restrictions. We have to fight back on this. And I want to remind people that when Tr- President Donald Trump was in power, we were energy independent. It was an amazing thing. And the industry was growing. Uh, businesses were growing. It was another world. And that's why many people supported him uh, and for, for good reason. So it doesn't have to be this way. This is a stark contrast. Myron, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Myron Abel, director of CEI's uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute's uh, Center for Energy and Environment. Myron, thanks so much for your time. This is Abraham Hamilton III on behalf of American Family Association. I want to encourage fathers and daughters to participate in this month's By Design Challenge. It's called the Daddy-Daughter Date Night Challenge. To show you participated, take a picture while on your date and post it on our By Design Facebook page with the hashtag DaddyDaughterDateNight. Go to AFA.net slash by design to be encouraged and reminded that your marriage belongs to God and it's worth fighting for. One man, one woman for life. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. See, we don't have to engage in psychological brainwashing techniques and all this nonsense that the left traffics in because they're godless for the most part. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That's how we fight. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. One morning, Elisha's young servant went out first thing and saw the Syrian army surrounding Elisha's hometown. The servant was racked with fear and cried out to Elisha, What will we do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid. There are more with us than are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, open this young man's eyes. The servant then saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. As opposition mounts in our lives, fear not. The Lord who is in us and with us is greater than the hostility present in the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. A teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS, his mother was an extremist, and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ, they prayed nonstop for his salvation, and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you 
because they hated me. And where Jesus says, I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible, it meant everything to him and gave him perspective. And his prayer was for believers there who need God's word to endure and persevere. And I said, Ahmed, those Bibles, they're coming. Bible League invites you to send God's word to Bibleist believers around the world in our campaign, The World Needs the Word, at only $5 a Bible, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give it sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Of all the indicators that America is imperiled by the wrecking operations that pass for the policies of the Biden-Harris administration, none is more palpable than the deliberate and comprehensive destruction of our border security and interior immigration enforcement. At least 1.7 million illegal aliens have gotten into this country since January 20th, threatening our national security and public health and safety. This is an invasion. As a practical matter, assimilation of all those people is not an option. They will change our country, not the other way around. That means crushing financial burdens on taxpayers to pay for illegal aliens' needs, loss of jobs for Americans, surging crime, increased terrorism, and a changed electorate that will further accelerate and make irreversible the fundamental transformation of America. Until we change the federal government, border state governors must stop this invasion. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Uh, Over this shot, which is basically a personal decision. And you're right, what Biden's doing is unconstitutional. He does not have the authority to do this. But what it will do on a practical level, um, in addition to being unconstitutional, in addition to be taking away people's personal choices, uh, is it will wreak havoc in the economy. Because even if a small percentage of these folks end up uh, losing their jobs or voluntarily walking away, uh, you're going to have huge disruptions in medical, in logistics, in law enforcement. And so in Florida, our policy is very clear. We're going to have a special session and we're going to say nobody should lose their job based off these injections. Uh, it's a choice you can make, uh, but we want to make sure we're protecting your jobs and your livelihoods. On a scientific basis, most of those first responders have had COVID and have recovered. So they have strong protection. Uh, and so I think that influences their decision on a lot of this, that they have already had it and recovered. Uh, and so they're, not, they're making no accommodations for that. They're still pretending like that doesn't even exist. Uh, and so that's really, really troubling when you see that. Uh, but I can tell you, Maria, in Florida, uh, not only are we going to want to protect the, the law enforcement and, and all the jobs, uh, we're actually actively working to recruit out-of-state law enforcement because we do have needs in our police and our sheriff's departments. So in the next legislative session, I'm going to hopefully sign legislation that gives a $5,000 bonus to any out-of-state law enforcement that relocates in Florida. So NYPD, Minneapolis, Seattle, if you're not being treated well, uh, we'll treat you better here. You can fill important needs for us and we'll compensate you as a result. Sandy Rios back with you. That was, of course, the governor of uh, Florida, Ron DeSantis, who has become such a hero. And uh, he's, of course, talking about first responders there and uh, policemen. My husband and I were talking last night that, you know, those people will be the cream of the crop. People who have the courage to stand up against this, those are the people that you want. They are the cream of the crop. Those are the ones uh, in the medical profession. Those are the ones 
uh, on all of these frontline positions who are the kind of people that you want doing these jobs. In California, the fight is going on. There is a There was a no-mandate Monday uh, in a California high school on Monday. Some of the kids were, uh, they refused to wear their masks, so they put them all in one classroom and isolated them. And they were standing in support of a teacher named Michael Wilkes. He's 38. He's a teacher at the El Dorado County High School. He's got three children. And he uh, taught without his mask, and he knows he'll probably be fired. Those are the kinds of people uh, that, if it's going to turn around, it's going to be on on their backs and on the sacrifice that they've made. And I know many of you listening to me are making those same sacrifices. Terrible. It's heartrending to me to hear your stories, whether you're in the military or whether you're in the medical field or whatever. But um, here's another person I want to introduce you to today who has joined us this morning, Dr. John Witcher is a doctor in Mississippi. He is a general practice doctor, an ER doctor. He's a hospitalist. He's been practicing since 1996. He is part of the frontline doctors, which we've talked about so much and early on. And I have to say frontline doctors are the ones I say saved my husband's life when he had COVID pneumonia in both lungs and I was able to get medication through them. Thank God for the frontline doctors. But Dr. John Witcher is fighting this uh, in Mississippi, and I think his organization is called uh, Mississippi Against Mandates, and he's uh, taken time out of his busy schedule to join us this morning. Dr. Witcher, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm just curious to know, uh, I mean, I have a general idea, but you're you're in the trenches there. What dangers are you as a doctor facing professionally for taking on the, really the, the lies of the COVID protocols. What what kind of danger are you in as a doctor? Well, uh, you know, we came forward. My hospital uh, mandated the vaccine for all employees uh, for October 31st. Uh, so that's how we really got involved. Uh, several doctors that I work with at my little rural hospital and nurses and other healthcare workers got together and uh, and. Of course, now we've grouped together with other doctors around Mississippi and nurses and and healthcare workers and, and citizens at this point. But you know, we we got our hospital mandated it the vaccines. We're we've been face to face with COVID since day one. You know, we we've been treating COVID patients, and so uh, you know, many of us just did not want to be vaccinated. Okay, for whatever reason, some of us had, had gotten COVID in the past, and. Uh, some of us didn't, but uh, we just felt like that uh, a lot of us felt we had natural immunity. You know, that is recognized, and uh, we felt like we had that. And furthermore, we just felt like the, there's a risk involved with these vaccines, and we did not want to uh, take the risk. We, we, You know, so, so that's how that got started. And, uh, of course, um, you know, the, the Medical Licenses Board in Mississippi has come out with a policy that says anybody that gives out misinformation disinformation regarding COVID vaccines runs the risk of, uh, of uh, being reprimanded and possibly losing their medical license. So um, that came out right after we grouped together and started speaking out that we, you know, we felt these vaccines had risks associated with them. And, and so um, that was a direct threat to us. You know, we, I had several doctors and, uh, you know, that, um, I mean, they just don't want to put their name out, out there in public because, because, I mean, bottom line, they're afraid. You know, they're afraid to lose their, they may lose their license, they may lose their hospital privileges, they may, may lose their board certification. 
So it, it's uh, it's concerning because, you know, we, we just want to get the truth out. And the truth is that there's risk involved with these vaccines. You know, it's one thing to be... Um... <laughs> Uh, to to, uh, to be hesitant to take a stand because you're afraid you'll lose your licensing. Most people can understand why there'd be some dilemma there. But what I found, uh, Dr. Witcher, is what's striking to me and, un- and um, sort of incomprehensible is that the medical, uh, f- nah, medical personnel, I'm having trouble with my words this morning, doctors and nurses and the medical establishment have fallen in line so easily with this nonsense. That's the part that I don't understand. How can you explain that? Okay, well, let me let me explain it as quickly as I can. I mean, it all comes from the American Medical Association. Okay, they they are they're the overseers of all the board certifications. Okay, and so um, like the American Board of Pediatrics, American Board of Internal Medicine, American Board of Family Practice, they all came out with a statement. And basically saying that, uh, you know, these vaccines are safe and effective and, and we need to all get in line with this narrative or, or face the risk of losing our medical license. I mean, they came out with that. And you have the Federation of uh, Licensure Boards. That's a, a national group over each uh, state medical licensure board. Okay, so that's... Um, they're the ones that actually came up with the with the narrative or the, the information to say uh, misinformation or disinformation of the COVID vaccines. With um, if, if a doctor gave that out, uh, primarily on social media, but just anywhere that, that they would run the risk of their medical license being revoked. And our Mississippi State Medical License Board, they took that actual wording from the Federation of State License Boards and just put it into their policy. They made a whole new policy. Uh, specifically for the COVID vaccine and, um, you know, threatening doctors not to give out any uh, what they call misinformation or disinformation. But, you know, what is that? You know, what is misinformation? Uh, You know, that's, um, you know, uh, we we feel like Dr. Dobbs by saying that the vaccines are super, super safe and that everybody should go get vaccinated. We we feel like that's misinformation. Absolutely. You know, um, it's it's interesting to me. I heard a doctor talk about what I just asked you. I heard him say that one of the reasons that doctors have been so bad on this, and nurses and medical personnel, is that his take on this was that doctors are often too busy to actually read the studies and the research. And so they rely on the FDA, the CDC. They rely on their synthesis of studies and other things like that, the statements that they make, and they just basically repeat uh, what they they're, what they're told through those agencies without actually looking themselves is that partly part of it? You think? Yeah, I think a lot of that's true. You know, I mean, uh, like myself, I'm a, a rural uh, physician, and so you know, I don't necessarily have a lot of time to do uh, research and a lot of reading on in depth reading on academic papers. And, and I do, I rely on on people like the uh, like our our boards and uh, the AMA and. And, you know, I've been a member of the Mississippi State Medical Association for years. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, I go to conferences uh, and uh, I listen to their guidance. But, but you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm not renewing my Mississippi State Medical Association uh, membership. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And it's because they have a, a Biden White House COVID response team doctor, um, Dr. Uh, Takea, he flew down here to Mississippi 
and 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 uh, basically grouped with the with our Mississippi State Medical Association leaders, Dr. Horn, who's the, the current president, and uh, basically he he just pushed these vaccine mandates. Okay, and they and Dr. Dobbs and uh, Dr. Paul Byers, our state epidemiologist, and Dr. Dan Edney, the chief medical officer of the uh, state health department, they all were uh, you know there with him, and they so you know Dr. Dobbs is. Uh, he's he's basically Fauci right here in Mississippi. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's taking orders directly from from Biden's uh, White House COVID response team doctor, and uh, they're pushing these vaccines. And so, you know, and and the Mississippi State Medical Association is doing the same thing. And I, and I just feel like they're not providing truthful information to the public. You, you know, with you you have to include the risk involved with these vaccines. Um, you know, you're not giving informed consent to the people. You know, there are a couple of things I just, there's so much, you know, I cover this every day. There's so much, but a couple of things come to my mind. Uh, I know that as of, I believe it was May 1st, no, 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 that's a different order. Uh, right now, the, uh, I got to get the right names. Um, in this whole mandate, uh, employer mandate, uh, they have waived the part where employers are supposed to report adverse effects or any kind of, uh, you know, injury from the vaccine. They've waived that. So I don't know if you – are you seeing, in your rural practice, are you seeing uh, any kind of vaccine injuries from patients that you're treating? Absolutely. And that's the alarming thing. Not only I, am I, but these other doctors that I've grouped with across Mississippi, we're seeing the exact same thing. And, uh, you know, we're seeing – Strokes. We're seeing uh, heart heart problems, myocarditis, uh, lots of neurological problems, Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, headaches, just lots of problems. Okay, and 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 it's not just me. Other doctors around Mississippi are seeing the same thing with their patients. Okay, and so and when you look at the VAERS, and, and by the way, the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, it's been in existence for since 1990. It's with the CDC and the FDA. And, uh, you know, I didn't even know that. I didn't know what that was until, uh, you know, COVID hit last year. And I started looking in, into that because, you know, I started hearing, hearing about the bears. And, um, you know, I think many physicians are like me. Maybe they've never heard of that before. I, I'm not a pediatrician, so I don't specialize in giving vaccines. But it's not something that, uh, you know, that I, I was really that aware of. So after doing the research, you know, uh, the, the, the number of adverse events reported to the bears this year alone in, in 2021 is over 800,000 at this point, okay? Normally, the bears, they get about 40,000 reports for the whole year, okay? That's for all vaccines. And so this year alone, there's over 800,000 reported adverse events with these COVID vaccines, okay? And over 17,000 deaths reported, okay? So these things have to be looked at and looked into um, what's going on here? Why can't we talk about these risks out, out in the open? Why are we being muzzled? Why are we being silenced by our uh, Mississippi State Medical License Board? I mean, and, and our board certification agencies. I mean, I, that, that's the big question I have. Yes, and let me just interject that the VAERS reporting is voluntary. It's not thorough. It's not required. It's voluntary, and so that's probably just an idea 
of the kinds of uh, adverse events and deaths that have taken place. Before we go talk further, yeah, because yeah. I we could talk about so many things, I, I do want us to talk about you're having an event this Friday, and you're bringing in Dr. Peter McCullough, who has been become very well-known nationally for his for his bold speaking up against what's going on with COVID. Uh, he's written extensively, and uh, he's been on, you know, in, <laughs> well, he was on Fox News Channel. Of course, uh, it, the uh, air, places where people who feel this way can appear are dwindling, uh, but he's made himself known. He's coming in from Dallas. Tell us where he's going to be and how people could come. He's going to be at the Hilton on County Line Road, uh, October 29th, this Friday, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, doors open at 6 p.m. Uh, he's going to be there. Uh, his We have his, uh, a book that uh, talks about, he's uh, he has a foreword in it, and it's uh, We Are the Prey, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We Are the Prey. If you just look up We Are the Prey, you can find it. This book is a, is a must-read. It's uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Bregan, who's a psychiatrist, has written it, him and his wife. And uh, it's about what all has occurred over the last year and a half. I mean, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough, you know, and Dr. Zelenko, some, some people might have heard that name. He's the doctor that came up with the hydroxychloroquine treatment and, and treated President Trump with that. Uh, Dr. Belit, uh, she's the founder of Truth for Health Foundation. The, this book basically outlines what Dr. Fauci has done. It, all of the, um, you know, he, he is basically... Uh, he, he, crimes Against Humanity, uh, you can read it all, all in here. He, he's, he's grouped with guys like Bill Gates, okay, and, and uh, this great reset that we're talking about. It, it, you know, it, it looks like these vaccines were never about health, okay? It's always been about control. And so that's where we're, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing this is what socialized medicine looks like. When you, when you get all these agencies, the American Medical Association, the board certifications, the, the um, might want to throw in our state uh, public health institution right here, UMMC. And all those are state doctors, okay? Just like Dr. Dobbs, he's state employed. Okay? And, this is, and so they're basically all grouping together and pushing the same agenda. And that's the Biden White House agenda that everybody needs to be vaccinated. And, and just that's what you need, period. Yeah, it's it's uh, frightening. It's frightening. The more, you know, I used to be kind of neutral on this, Dr. Witcher. I used to be neutral, and I would, you know, say, you know, it is up to you. It is up to you. It is up to you. But the more I hear about what's happening, the more angry I get, and the more adamant I get that people need to fight against this. I, you know, I'm hearing, well, wait, wait, I want to list. If people want to go, do they go to MS against Mississippi, against mandates, MS against mandates? Is that how, how they'd find out how to go to this event? That's right, msagainstmandates.org. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll put that on our Facebook page, but I just wanted to make sure we landed the plane on that part. Um, the more I look into this, the more angry I get. I can't think of anything good thing coming from this, even for the elderly. I'm sorry. Uh, but um, I'm hearing, like Sunday morning, our pastor announced that a uh, a, a policeman, and I believe, I'm guessing, but I'm guessing he was probably in his 40s, uh, died of COVID. Is there any reason that a healthy man of that age should be dying with COVID given the treatments available? Seriously. Well, you know, I, I don't want to make light of this. We all have had loved ones that have died um, 
with COVID. You know, I, we all have. We've heard the stories. I mean, I recently lost a very dear friend of mine, church member, and uh, he was 53 years old. He, he was a little overweight, but, um, you know, he had gotten uh, uh, the first shot of the vaccine and, and then I think maybe came in contact with COVID and, and developed a uh, cytokine storm that we see. And, and um, you know, these we're finding that these uh, respiratory problems may not be so much infiltrates as they are microclots in, in the lungs. So, uh, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough and other doctors have developed the early outpatient treatment uh, uh, of COVID, and we believe that these things, uh, these treatments work. These were also suppressed, by the way. Uh, you know, Dr. Dom, he made headline news talking about the horse uh, dewormer and that how Mississippians were all overdosing on this medication. Of course, that all turned out to be uh, not true. But uh, bottom line is they are, there are treatments. We believe that if we, if we take these treatments early, that uh, they do work. And things like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, um, steroids, uh, aspirin, colchicine, vitamin C and D, zinc, all these and, and others. Okay, and, and Dr. Like I said, Dr. Peter McCullough, he, he, him and uh, Dr. Glinko and Dr. Meat, as well as other doctors, that came up with this early on. Okay, and they were, and, and this, uh, we all know what happened there. You know, hydroxychloroquine. I was using hydroxychloroquine in, in my little hospital at first until until basically, uh, you know, Trump used it and started promoting it, and then they took took it off the market. Okay, so this is, you know, why are they suppressing? cheap, effective treatment for COVID. You know, I, I mean, that's a question I have as well. I mean, because you know, they want uh, you to get I, vaccinated because they want you to get vaccinated. And that's, that's, that should be, that should raise suspicion that just that factoid right there. Why in the world would they demonize effective treatment for this to save lives? Why would they do that? It is insidious. I think it's insidious. And I want to talk to you. Uh, we just have a few minutes left. I would really love to know your take on this. Now, they're going to be requiring our children to take the vaccine. You know they are. Pfizer's pushing ahead. And by the way, I just heard this morning that they are trying to get legal immunity for their vaccine for children 5 to 11. Uh, your thoughts about what, what that's all about? They, they have immunity. This is, there's no FDA-approved uh, vaccine in uh, the United States. It's all experimental use authorization. So. There's no no liability to anyone, okay? So, so there, you know, no one has liability. But now these companies that are mandating these vaccines, they need to look into uh, their liability because I think they will be liable because uh, you know they're as an employee, they as an employer, they have uh, a legal right to make sure their employees are not harmed. And with the information we have at hand, you know, mandating employees to get vaccinated, that there could be some liability there. But, um, yeah, so you were, yeah, these children, 5 to 11, let, let me just tell you what Dr. Peter McCullough said. There is, under no circumstances whatsoever, that children 5 to 11 need to be vaccinated. End of story. There's practically a zero chance of death uh, in this age group of, of uh, getting the, the uh, COVID, um, getting COVID. Let me, I'll just give you some numbers in Mississippi, Okay. Out of okay. in Mississippi, ninety. Can, can I do that real quick? Yes, please. In Mississippi, there's been a, a little less than ten. Let's just say ten thousand people have died. In, in in every death, 
we're concerned, okay? But we know that once people get on the ventilators, that's the problem, okay? So we want to treat them in an effort to keep them out of the hospital and keep them off ventilators, okay? We know we, know we can do that, okay? But in Mississippi, there's been 10,000 deaths, 7,000 of them, and I'm giving you rough numbers, 7,000 of them were 65 years and older, okay? So that's the majority, so that's 70%. Now, in many of those had comorbidities, okay? Many of them were bedridden from the nursing home, for example, okay? The, uh, a couple that said it, that uh, I, I treated, they were in that scenario. They were already at a do not uh, resuscitate level, DNR. So it, now let me give you an age group, 0 to 17. Okay, in, in Mississippi, uh, in the zero to seventeen age group, nine nine people died. Okay, and once again, we, uh, we don't take this lightly. Uh, we're concerned about any death, but out of these nine, you know, I don't know uh, what co- comorbidities they had. It could obesity is is definitely a comorbidity with with this uh, with COVID. But listen, nine people. You know how many. Children uh, zero to seventeen years of age uh, uh, had COVID, according to to our Mississippi State uh, Health Department, eighty seven thousand. So you had eighty seven thousand zero to seventeen year olds with COVID, and, and nine died. That's a ninety nine point nine 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 percent survival rate. Okay, that's practically a zero percent chance of dying from COVID. So there's no reason any of these children whether they be 0 to 17 or, or 5 to 11, could, could ever be vaccinated, in our opinion. Okay. Dr. Witcher, we, we're out of time. Uh, but it's really been, it's nice to meet you, and maybe we can talk again. I'd like that if you would. Well, uh, well we're pleading with Governor Reeves, okay? And we, and we want to meet with him, and he's, he's not done that. So uh, we, we plead with him, because Dr. Dobbs is the problem here in Mississippi. Yeah, I know Mississippi's been bad on this, uh, really, to me, from my perspective, since the beginning. Uh, it hasn't made sense. They've really bought into all of the stuff right up front, and it has sort of surprised me. But by the way, this event that Dr. John Witcher is, uh, is hosting, it's go to MS Mississippi Against Mandates. Mississippi Against Mandates is Dr. Peter McCullough. He'll be speaking uh, this uh, Friday night uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. And so you can get to, you can find out about it at that uh, at that address at that email address uh, that, I'm sorry web address MS against mandates, uh, Doctor Witcher. God bless you and your wife and your family, and uh, your your commitment to truth. And we just appreciate it because we know it's a sacrifice. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith, family.